we are going to spend the entire month talking, you guys ready for it, about spiritual warfare. Whoa. I know, right? Because people get freaked out. You're going to talk about spiritual warfare? You're going to try to tackle that topic on a Sunday morning? Yes, we are. And we're going to talk about it from a non-traditional perspective. So if you are preparing for me to talk about demons and angels, I might, you know, uh, but not that much. I'm, today, I'm going to talk about worship as warfare. Amen. All right. Yeah. Next week, we're going to talk about community as warfare. Yes. The third week, we're going to talk about character as warfare. Yeah, and then the fourth week, we're going to talk about generosity as warfare. Yes, going in the opposite spirit, right, of the culture, right, of the world, going in the opposite spirit of the enemy who tries to run you out, isolate, run you down, exhaust you, or just plain run you crazy. And so we're going to study this topic for the next month in a non-traditional way, but I do think it's going to be very powerful for us. Here's why. If you are taking seriously the goals that you set, the purpose that Jesus has put into you for this year, you are not going to show up to your promised land to find it vacant. You guys get what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to take territory and then find it vacant. Like, the enemy is very preoccupied with the place that he oversees, and he does not want to give it up. So if you're going to step into your purpose, I promise you this, you will be resisted. Can I get two good amens? Yeah, you're going to be resisted. It's, It's just the way that it is. My pastor used to call it prophetic backlash. He would, always, he would always teach me, hey, when you're taking territory, when you see favor, when you see increase, when you sense advance, I want you to be aware that the enemy is going to try and knock you back a few steps because he wants to keep the territory that he's had. He doesn't want you to take it from him, which is why it's important we remember the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. How many guys know the enemy wants to knock you back? The enemy wants to hurt your heart. The enemy wants you to question your identity. The enemy wants you to live below the standard of victory that Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross and through his resurrection. Right? And so we don't want to be unaware of the realities of spiritual warfare. Now, what is spiritual warfare? I know many people have given us many different definitions and People respond to the topic differently. But let me give you three quick, very short points about spiritual warfare that you can write down. Number one is, spiritual warfare is real. Okay, so that's the first one. Spiritual warfare is real. Some people ignore spiritual warfare, and they're like, that only exists in Harry Potter, bro. It's not real. But here's the first point. Spiritual warfare is real. Here's the second point. Spiritual warfare is unseen. It goes down in a different dimension. Have we gone too deep already? It goes. Here's the third point. Spiritual warfare is spiritual. It's spiritual. How many of you guys know you cannot, you cannot wage a spiritual war with weapons of the flesh? 
right? How many of you guys know that what you give birth to in the flesh, you got a steward in the flesh? <laughs> but what you give birth to in the spirit, the Holy Spirit stewards with you. Co-laboring with God, right? So we're aware there is an alternate dimension than just what we see, taste, touch, smell. There is a spiritual, supernatural dimension. You guys with me? Am I going too far? We're good? Are we together? In Mozambique, I say, estamos juntos. Which means we're together, right? In a, in a very poor southern accent, um, bad Portuguese. But, you know, they know. They know what I'm saying. And they're like, yes. See. Which is always fun. Okay, let, let's read a scripture real quick. Uh, Ephesians. Ch- I'm going to read the Bible a ton today. You guys good with it? Because, I mean, basically this sermon is going to be like me opening the Bible and just reading it. Okay. Ephesians 6. Verse 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Everybody say warfare. Warfare. Notice the imagery, okay? Some people want to ignore spiritual warfare. Oh, it's not important. You don't have to talk about it. But notice that it's God that gives us the imagery of battle. It's not us making it up, okay? It's not just like we're looking to pick a fight with somebody. It's that God has provided through Scripture the imagery of battle, so it's important for us to accept his imagery and not just make up our own, right? And so he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And you thought it was a person that was coming against you. Or a position, or a job, or a boss, or a manager, or somebody on Facebook without a profile picture. (laughs) I don't even answer those people anymore. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, not not if the day of evil comes, so that when, how many of you guys know, if you're moving forward in God's presence and in God's purposes, there is going to be a day of evil. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's going to come a day you're going to have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, right? It said the weapon would not, would not prosper, not that the weapon would not be formed. The weapon's going to be formed, but here's the gospel. It ain't going to prosper. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Don't, don't be surprised. Stand. Somebody say, just stand. Just stand. Keep standing. And after you have done everything, keep standing. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Not just when you're getting attacked, but you just pray in the Spirit on all occasions, right? I mean, Paul said, man, I pray in the Spirit more than all y'all. 
I like that. I like Paul. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert. Look at your neighbor and say, be alert. And always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So let me give you a definition of spiritual warfare. This is my deduction from Scripture and what I feel like spiritual warfare is. Let me give you guys this definition. Spiritual warfare is not a war between God and Satan. All right? God has defeated Satan. The war is over. How many of you guys know that we're not fighting for victory? We're fighting from victory. Right? The war is over. Every now and then you need to just remind Satan of that reality. Hey, dude, war's over. You already lost. So here's what spiritual warfare is. Spiritual warfare are battles between Satan and your connection with God. Let me read it again. Spiritual warfare are battles between Satan. Notice I didn't say between you and Satan. Yeah, that's right. Look, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of the king. The war is over. You, you've already received victory as a result, not of your good works, but the blood of the lamb. Right? You are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Right? So it's not a battle between you and Satan. It's a battle between Satan and your connection with God. You can summarize all spiritual warfare like this. Separation. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to separate you, or at least convince you of a separation, between you and Jesus. Your union, your connection, your intimacy, all spiritual warfare has this end in mind. Let me try to convince this individual otherwise that they're not actually connected to God by the blood of the Messiah, that they have been separated, right? They've been, they've been struck from the herd. Now they're isolated. They're lonely. They're by themselves. God is no longer with them or for them. Right? So all spiritual warfare, the end of it is separation. Now, sometimes like our washer breaks or, you know, something small happens, seemingly small, right? And we're like, this is warfare. I rebuke it. You know? And you know what? It might be. But here's Satan's goal is not just to destroy your washing machine. It's to destroy your connection to Jesus. And this is how you know you're, you're in spiritual warfare because there's always that temptation to put your connection with the Lord uh, to the side for a moment and begin to murmur, begin to complain, begin to gossip, begin to backbite, begin to isolate and not pray, not fast, not read through the scripture. That's how you know it's warfare. And, and warfare, a, a lot of people look at warfare as like this huge thing. It's like this big deal. But I think warfare is actually the small subtleties. Anything that distracts you from God's presence and God's purpose for your life is warfare. Try this side. So like anything that distracts you from God's presence and God's purpose for your life is warfare. And you should treat it with that same kind of severity. You say, nope, I'm not going to be distracted. I am an intimate covenant with Jesus Christ. Anything that tries to distract me or pull me away from that, I treat it like warfare. I don't just flush, you know, flush it or just sweep it under the rug. It's not a big deal. Well, is it causing you to not pray, not connect, not fast, not read through the scripture, not go to church, not do the things that you know that God is calling you into more and more? Then it's warfare. You guys like that? I like that. The enemy is working hard to convince us. Hard that the war is not over. He's trying to injure your identity and trying to get you to live below the standard of the victory that Jesus has produced through the resurrection. Oh, death, where is your sting? Ha. I remind myself of that every day. 
You know why? It's tattooed right here. And so it is. It's actually literally tattooed on my body. And so I look, in the morning when I'm brushing my teeth, I'm like, oh, death, where's your sting? Because I just like to remind hell of its position. You lost. You know what I mean? And there was a season in my life where anybody else have these from time to time, like night tears? You have bad dreams. You know, you, have, you, you wake up, and, and, and it feels like the room is like there's some energy. Right? You're like, ooh, something's go. I got some goose, but like something's going on, right? I used to do this every single night at 3 a.m. I'd wake up at 3 a.m. and I'd be freaked out and I'd have bad dreams and I was so disturbed by this. And then I'd spend an hour, hour and a half up standing, praying and and reading scripture and doing my best to like calm back down so I could get some rest. I mean, the enemy doesn't want you to rest, right? How many of you know that, 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 that God's seventh day was Adam's first day? A lot of times we like to start with work, but God actually started our first father in rest. Because before you start to produce, he's like, I just want to connect. You see what I'm saying? He wants to rob you of your rest. And I was like, I, I, I rebuke. I rebuke the enemy. You know, I'd get up. I, I mean, I grew up Pentecostal, so I know how to rebuke. My, my rebuker is strong, all right? And so that's what I did. And then for, for a while, I said, you know what? Mm-mm. I set my alarm clock for 3 a.m. Because I said, I'm not going to wait for the enemy to bring a fight to me. I'm going to get up and bring it to him. You see what I'm saying? So I just set my alarm clock for 3 a.m. It'd go off. I'd turn on some worship. i said, say, come on. I ain't even rebuking you anymore. I'm just going to worship Jesus. And if you want to hang around and watch, well, you're welcome. But you're not going to distract me from my purpose. And you're not going to stop me from getting into God's presence. So if this is your time that you like to come against me, this is going to become my time that I connect with the Lord. Right? The scripture calls it a familiar spirit. It's what you're familiar with. Right? It's a familiar time. When does temptation come to your door? Is it when you're at home at 4.30 p.m., when you're all by yourself? If there's a familiarity to it. You transform those moments of temptation into moments of worship, I promise you. The enemy will be running with arrows chasing him down. <laughs> and I get great joy out of that, personally. I think I told the third service last week this. I said, man, everybody wants to be famous. You know, I want to be famous too. I want to be famous in hell. I want the prison guards of hell to know my name. Like, I want them to know me on a first name basis. They're like, here he comes, just snatching souls again. Anyways. Hey, Hebrews 5 and 14 said this, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. It doesn't matter how long you've been living for the Lord, if it's a week, if it's a day, if it's an hour, if you get saved right after this, or you've been living for God for decades, each and every one of us have the same Holy Spirit, therefore we have the same power because it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's been given to us. There's nothing you could do to earn it. The Holy Spirit put it in you. It's a supernatural deposit. You have the same ability to discern good from evil. To be aware. Man, this is an attack. I'm aware. This is a plan of the enemy. I'm aware that something's coming against me that's supernatural. It's, it's not just from me. It's not just my past or my mistakes. This is something else. And I turn it around. And I say, nope, I'll not give in to that temptation. I'm going to worship. And that, and that leads me into the, the message today. So that was my introduction. So the message today is this. <laughs> uh, worship as warfare. 
today. I want to I want to preach you guys worship as warfare. Okay, so to to do that, I want to tell you a story. And uh, once upon a time, somebody named their kid Jehoshaphat. That's I don't know about that name, but it was P H A T. Pretty hot and tempting. You know what I'm saying? Jehoshaphat, P-H-A-T. It makes a difference. So for all we know, he loved that name. He's like, that's right. Jehoshaphat. <laughs> and I'll read you guys a story about Jehoshaphat. All right. Second Chronicles, Chronicles 17. I'm going to start with verses 5 through 6. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. How many of you guys would like to have the kingdom established in your hand, right? Like you're ruling, you're reigning with Jesus. And all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat. He was an honored general. And he had great riches and honor. How many of you guys would take that? Yeah. And his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places and the ashram out of Judah. You know what ashram is? It's a place of idolic worship it's literally up on mountaintops where temples were erected to give worship to idols so what jehoshaphat did as the ruler of judah he literally went to those places and decimated them it's a man after my own heart right here i like this a lot you know and that's what he did he was taking territory everybody say he's taking territory he was advancing he was about his purpose he was doing his 2020 vision see what i'm saying and in that process, let's go to uh, verse 10. It says, And the fear of the Lord fell upon all of the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, and they made no war against Jehoshaphat. Now, uh, I, I want to say this to you guys. I believe that Jehoshaphat's experience here is most commonly our experience in life. This is what I believe. I think most of the time, the tactic of the enemy, the attack of the enemy gets dealt with before we even know it's on its way. So I don't want to embellish, you know, spiritual warfare. I don't want to obsess over spiritual warfare. I don't have to, you know, rebuke everything that goes wrong in my life and call everything a demon. I do believe that God is working on our behalf much more so than we could ever comprehend or understand. Just like Jehoshaphat, he's living in favor. He's living in breakthrough. He's living in blessing. Things are going well for him. He is protected. How many of you guys know you're protected? Say me. <laughs> How many of you guys know you're protected? Say me. Protected. Amen. We're protected. We're protected by the hand of God. And I think this is most commonly our experience. However, there are seasons, there are moments, there are times in life when we are attacked. Some of you guys are going through an attack right now. Some of you guys are going through spiritual attack right now. Here's why. Spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. And it will happen. And most often it shows up at your front door unannounced. You didn't invite it. You didn't send it an invitation in the mail. It just shows up and it's like, okay, we're going to try to ruin everything good that's happening in your life right now. I'm going to try to destroy your kids. I'm going to try to destroy your marriage. I'm going to try to destroy your friendships. I'm going to try to destroy your finances. And there's an all-out attack against what God has done in your life. If you've ever gone through that before, say me. <laughs> hey, I've been, I've been through it more than once. And, you know, this happened to Jehoshaphat. Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So skip up just a couple of chapters and read verses 1 through 4 with me. And after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and with them some of the Munites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. So that's an experience we all have. 
and some men came and told Jehoshaphat, how many of you guys have been in an attack and you know it, but your friends just, you know, just keep talking about it? You know what I'm saying? Like, man, it's bad for you right now, isn't it? <laughs> Jehoshaphat's having that experience. A great multitude is coming against you, Jehoshaphat, from Eden, from beyond the sea. I mean, it's, it's inconvenient for them, I mean, where they're coming from. They're going above and beyond. They will not be stopped. You're about to be plundered. You're about to be taken over. You better start repenting because, you know, you're about to lose it all. You're losing your money. You're losing your job. You're losing... Does this sound familiar to anybody? You ever heard these whispers before, these lies, right? And it said, oh, they're coming from as far as En Gedi. And go on to the next scripture, please. It says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. It's, it's normal. It's natural. It, it, it's not abnormal to experience fear when you're in the midst of an attack. When you go through spiritual warfare, a natural byproduct is the emotion of fear, that you feel fear. You say, man, I'm afraid. But... How do you respond? Do you stay afraid and then disconnect? Or do you do what Jehoshaphat did, who's given us a strategy for how to war against the enemy? He was afraid, and yet he set his face to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah, and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Notice this was God's prescription for how to come against the attack of the enemy. First and foremost, he said, I'm going to worship and I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship and I'm going to pray. That's the first thing you do when you feel an attack. You worship and you pray. What's the next thing he did? He fasted in family. You know, you know how you know you, you got a real friend? You call them up and say, can you not eat for 24 hours on my behalf? That's how you know you got a real friend, man. I'm going to tell you, most people won't do that, right? Can you juice for the next 12 hours for me? Well, we're not that close. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? That's how, you know you have, that's how you know you have a covenant friend, right? And then he said, then I'm going to get, then I, my word, then I'm going I'm to have church. I'm going to assemble people. I'm going to come together. I'm going to come together in community. And we're going to begin to worship the Lord. This is how we're going to respond to this warfare. And as they do this, God then responds. Let's go to verse 15. Read that together. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Notice that this is a prophetic word that they're receiving here. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours. Somebody finish that for me. Whoa. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Like all you have to do is keep worshiping. All you have to do is keep singing. All you have to do is, hey, fast. Hey, get in family. Get in community. Hey, let's worship the Lord. I'm going through an attack right now, but I'm not going to focus on the attack. I'm going to focus on my God. See, here, here's the thing. You can never allow your circumstance to determine your worship. You always allow your worship to determine your circumstance. I say it again. Never allow your circumstance to dictate your worship. Some people go through hard times. They don't come to church. Some people go through hard times. They come to church, but they sit on the back row like this. I'm, I'm having a hard week. Well, why don't you just come up and worship anyway? Well, I don't want to be in the flesh. Well, you're in the flesh anyway. <laughs> Depression is a state of the flesh, so just come on up. 
right? So you don't let your circumstance determine your level of praise. You allow your level of praise to determine your circumstance. You're like, hey, look, I'm not impressed by the size of my problem, but problem, you're about to be impressed by the size of my God because I'm going to magnify. That's one of the words we have for praise. I'm going to magnify God. What do you do when you put a magnifying glass on something? You enlarge. Come on. You magnify the presence of the lion of the tribe of Judah who roars over your life and who fights the battle on your behalf. You don't even have to pick up a sword. All you got to do is pick up a song. Come on. A high praise, a worship. And that's what starts to happen. And, you know, he says, don't worry, about, don't worry about the battle. I got the battle. Now, that doesn't mean that they stayed in bed. It means that they suited up and stepped out anyway, but not just with swords. They stepped out with songs. And in verse 18 and 19 of chapter 20, it says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. Isn't that just the humility of a king? Listen, godly kings still put their face to the dirt. If you're going to be a godly king, you'll be humble enough to, to cry out for mercy. You'll be humble enough to fast. You'll be humble enough to get down on your face in front of your friends and say, I don't have it figured out. I don't know the solution, but I do have a song. I don't have a strategy, but I got a song. I don't, I don't, know, what the, I don't know where the breakthrough's coming, but I got brokenness. And I'm going to invite you guys into the worship service. This is what Jehoshaphat does. He puts, his, he puts his face to the dirt. And then Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord with them. And they start worshiping the Lord. Then his friends get down on their knees. They start worshiping. And then the Levites, the priests, those people in the choir robes, uh, you know, uh, the Kohathites and the Koralites, and it's important that we recognize those ancestral familial names, they stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So you got the king, you know, he's down there. You got some friends, they're down there. You got the community there. And then all of a sudden there's this, there's this group of people that just stands up. And then they start worshiping, they start worshiping the Lord in concert. I mean, this sounds good. You know how I know it sounds good? Because their ancestors were the ones that David appointed to be full-time worshipers in the temple. That's why the Bible notes their family lineage. It says, hey, these are the full-time choir members, worshipers of Israel, and now it's not just those weird people that run to the front when worship service starts and wave their hands and jump around. This is the actual appointed worshipers. These guys are full-time. This is what they do for a living. They praise. They worship. And so they stand up and they start worshiping. And then what does Jehoshaphat do? It says, and they rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. Notice they weren't even wearing their armor in this sense. Their choir robes were their armor. See, when the enemy comes against you and you realize you got a fight on your hands, it's not that you have to put on, you know, you know, iron armor. It's that you put on your church clothes. <laughs> you guys like that? Let's put on your church clothes. And they went before the army and said, give thanks. Why are we giving thanks? The battle is not even over yet. Oh, wait. Yes, it has. Yes, it is. Because God said. 
Because God said the victory belongs to me. Because God said the war is over. Now, you may not see it yet in the natural, but what he's spoken is reality. And so as a result, even though you hadn't seen the enemy fall yet, you can still go forward and give thanks because of the truth of what God has said. For his steadfast love endures forever. And they began to sing and they began to praise. And the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. Here's, here, here's the best way to do spiritual warfare. Spiritual worship. The best way to do spiritual warfare is spiritual worship. Now, we read Ephesians 5, and we know that one strength, one tool, one offensive weapon that God gives us is the word of God. Amen? It's the scriptures. But also, to partner with the scriptures, we bring songs. It's a powerful weapon against the enemy. How many of you guys remember in Acts chapter 16? I'm going to close with this. How many of you guys remember in Acts chapter 16 whenever Paul and Silas got thrown into prison? You guys remember that? Like, we, we read about it today, and it's sort of a, you know, it's, fun story to read and you know we like yeah it's great but the truth is the way that they landed there was as a result of persecution these guys were beat within an inch of their lives and they were put in prison and this was not like a nice like civil sanitary jail cell like they're down in a dungeon and they're under lock and key they've got shackles on their ankles they've got shackles on their hand they've been beaten they have no clue what's going to happen to them they don't know if God's going to deliver them or not they may end up like John the Baptist for all they know they are about to experience their last night on the earth and yet what do we see them doing past midnight they start singing I said, man, we could, we, there's, there's prayers we could pray. There's scriptures we could recite. There are demons we could rebuke. There's warfare that we could engage. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. We're going to start singing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, man, we're in trouble, man. We're in prison. But it's not going to prohibit my praise. I, hallelujah. It's the worst situation I've ever been in. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've never been in a place like this. Hallelujah. <laughs> I worship the Lord. I bless his name. See, you don't even have to, you don't have to sing a popular song. It doesn't even have to be a top 40 hit. It does not need to be auto-tuned. Just make a joyful noise. It doesn't even have to be an actual word. It's a noise. <laughs> That's why sometimes when I'm in prayer and I feel like the enemy's coming against me, I just start making noises. <laughs> I mean, I literally do that. I literally do that because I'm just like, I'm serious. I do that. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because I want the devil to be reminded that I don't take him that seriously. That I don't take myself that seriously. That I know more than anything that he's got to come against me with, the song that the Lord has deposited into my soul is extremely way more powerful. You know why the enemy hates music so much? Because he used to be the worship leader in heaven. So, so it's like, oh man, I can't stand the fact that you can whoop me with a song. You know, it's like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got my heel. I'm about to bruise your head. And I'm going to do it while singing. Hallelujah. I'm overcoming my warfare with song. <laughs> If I was getting beat up by somebody, the last thing I'd want them to do is start singing. You know what I'm saying? Because they would just make a joke of every attempt that I've got to fight back. But there's like, 
hallelujah. But that's what, you know, it's like, glory. Hallelujah. Just want to remind you that I'm winning. Hallelujah. Just want to remind you that this fight ain't really a problem for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 